This is gonna, I got a feeling it's gonna be good for you this morning. It's funny because my mom, for those of you who don't know, my mom is here. She, she's a missionary to widows. And the sermon that she preaches about when she goes to different churches is on the idea of seasons changing. And there, there's a hundred different ways that we could have gone with the story of David and Saul. If you've read the story, you know how many different plethora of different things we could talk about when it comes to David. But the idea of seasons changing, let me check and see if we can go here. Do we have line of sights? Hopefully. Maybe. Possibly. Technical difficulties run rapid. I told Darian to be ready just in case. We'll see. Maybe. Was that me or was that you? Sweet. Me and you. Let's start back here, and then I'm going to tell you a little story to get things started. Remember, there's three things you should walk away from each sermon asking. What did I learn about God? How should I change? And how should I respond differently to others? Every sermon you hear, you should be able to go home on the ride home. Um, I'm going to try to say it in my notes, but it's going to be so hard this morning. Um, I was raised as a pastor's kid for the first, really, I'm still a pastor's kid because my mom's a missionary. But I was raised as a pastor's kid my whole life. So do you think I ever heard much of people complaining about the pastor? Did they complain to me about the pastor? Probably not, right? By, by the way, I'll tell you what my voice is gone in a minute. But the first time I ever went to Michigan, and I don't even know if you remember this or not, the first time I ever went to Michigan, went to Laura's church with, with her parents and everything else, we came home, we were talking about the sermon, and then nothing major, but just little, little minor complaints about whether it was the pastor or something he said. or It was nothing major, just little bits. And I started cracking up laughing. And they're like, what's, what's wrong? I said, I've heard my whole life about people having the pastor for lunch, but I've never experienced it before. I just think it's kind of funny. So, but maybe on the way home, instead of having the pastor or youth pastor for lunch in this case, you should ask these three questions. What did I learn about God today? What should I, how should I change in response to this? And how should my response to others change? Those who were here for my teaching about the box, I hope your idea about others has changed. Have you changed that in your life? Not just here. It should go from here to your heart to your hands, right? All right, so here's a disclaimer. Uh, when Laura was looking over this the other day, she said, you need to give some disclaimers up front here. I said, okay, first disclaimer, this sermon is not being aimed at anybody, okay? Aimed at nobody. Um, this is a teaching about a change has affected my life and Laura's life like it did David and Saul. But since change is a normal human condition that we all share, you're likely going to feel a kinship, right? Because we've all gone through it. Either we have, or we are, or we will. Now, whether or not you choose to apply the principles we're going to talk about, your call. Your call. Also, this is not an announcement. Laura and I are not going anywhere. Like, I had this whole sermon prepared, and she went, you sound like you're announcing us leaving. I said, no, okay, this, is not, this has nothing to do with that, okay? This is, not, this is nothing, all right? And I'm like, no, that's not the point of this. I had this whole sermon printed. But here's the point. Have you ever had change occur instantly that you didn't expect? So actually, according to James, he said, you shouldn't even say, I'm going to go to the store. You should say, if God wills. Like, I'm not saying we should say that every time, but that's got to be our attitude. We don't know what today or tomorrow holds. So is it fair that we should talk about change? Is, is that, does it make sense to talk about that? Because I might say, I might tell my wife we're going to be together for 60 years. One of the things we're going to talk about this morning is even my dad passing away. Did I see that coming? Not even close. We don't know what's coming next. So we need to be aware of how to handle it like David and Saul. Okay? 
So this week's story in the chapter, chapter in the story, backwards, is about the right, I need to stick with notes. I'm so excited about this. It's about the rise of David and the ultimate fall of King Saul, the changes of seasons, if you will. You see, David changed, line of sight. Was that me? Sweet. You see, David changed from shepherd to warrior, to public hero, to musician for the king, if you read the chapter this week, to enemy of the king, to leader of warriors, all of a sudden a king. Lots of changes in David's life. Now, I never thought about this till this reading of this story. Do you realize that King Saul had the capability to be the greatest mentor ever? Saul could have been the mentor for the greatest king ever. But instead, his pride got in the way. And because he didn't handle the change of season correctly, he wanted to hold on to the previous statement. Do you remember what the people were screaming when David had beaten Goliath and came back? Do you remember what they were screaming? Saul has slept. The people were praising Saul and David. Saul has slain his thousands. David, his ten thousands. What do we tend to do as people? We tend to look on the negative, don't we? Saul didn't even focus that the people were thanking him and giving him worship in a sense. He just focused on they were praising David more. He didn't recognize the change of seasons, and because of that, his kingdom went a completely different way. You see, seasons are laws of nature. This whole thing started when Savannah Bear was up here before the baptism even, and she was talking about junior Bible quiz. And I'm going to be talking a lot about the bears because I've had this since the beginning. So I'm probably going to talk about some of my OGs for a while, like some of my original gangsters. That's Micah Davis's fault, all right? Like some of the ones that I've had. Laura and I, February celebrated six years we've been here as youth pastors. The average youth pastor stays around for nine months. In my opinion, there's no way for them to, I, I don't understand that, because there's no way to gain relationships. There's no way to leave legacy. So we've been around for a while. Not saying we're perfect, but we've wanted to build ongoing relationships. But Savannah was up here, and Pastor Mark was like interviewing her in a sense, and uh, talking about Junior Bible Quiz and everything she's doing in the church now. And you know what hit me? A little bit of selfishness. And I thought, you know, I'd really like to be more in Savannah's life right now. You know what the Holy Spirit said? Wrong season. Wrong season. And it started this whole process. So I'm going to walk you through a change, a, a process this morning of changes that Laura and I have walked through in our lives. I think you're going to feel a close kinship, and I want you to take away something you can use. I'm going to try to fly through this, okay? I'm going to do my best. By the way, we have a newcomer's lunch this morning, so if you get too hungry, claim that you're a newcomer and have lunch with us. All right, seasons are laws of nature. They're systems set up by God. Every season is different, and they're always changing. You see, there, there's a statement that I love, and I've fallen in love with, and it's kind of one that I've almost based my view on seasons through. Methods are many, the way we do things. Principles are few. Methods always change, but principles never do. See, the Bible, and I love this statement, the Bible is full of methods of God that are constantly changing, and principles of God that never do. This is why I firmly believe that Jesus never is recorded to perform a miracle or a healing the same way twice. One, one time he rubbed mud in somebody's eyes. Sometimes he just had some, like, he, he healed people a different every way. Why? Because he, don't we have a human, human habit to take something and create that's the way we're healed? 
I'm not going to talk bad about any of the way that people want to claim healing these days, but let me just say this. Anybody who claims there's one way to be healed, whether it's through just oil or just a handkerchief or just sending money in, there's not one way to be healed. There's one healer. Okay, so the principles of God never change. Hebrews 13a says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not say he does things the same way. It said he is the same. His characteristics, who he is, does not change. Do we see that? Because we got to go through with this because so many times we can hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. We can hold on to previous methods claiming, well, Jesus never changed, so we can't either. In my opinion, that's why the church is 60 years behind in some certain ways, because we've held on to previous methods and not, cha and not changed our methods. We need to hold on to who Christ is and change our methods sometimes, all right? So we're going to keep going. Our responsibility is to hold on to the principles of God that never change while we change methods with the seasons. And I'm not just talking about in church. You're going to see how this applies to your life. Don't we want to be more like David and less like Saul? That's the goal. That's the goal of what all this is going to be about this morning. We want to be more like David and less like Saul. If I have a text this morning, this is what it is. And I didn't even have this until this morning. And Laura's like, you need a text. You need something. So I'm flipping through. I'm going, Ecclesiastes 3. What better than this? So read this along with me. To everything there's a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. I'll just read it from up here. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. By the way, when you, when you type the words a time so many times, that's not even a word anymore. It's just a time for this, a time for this, a time for this. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Not done. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Watch this. If you go into the second of any of these seasons while still doing the first, your methods are wrong. There's a time to laugh, and there's a time to weep. In the time of weeping, if you're still laughing, you haven't changed methods into the new season, right? There's a time to heal. There's like, there's a time for everything. Chris, how does this apply to me? Keep listening. I wanted to show you something. This may not apply to you at all, but I just want to have some fun. The reason I'm hoarse this morning is Laura and I celebrated 15 years of dating this week. We had our first date 15 years ago, and I want to do something special. So we went to the place we did on our first date, which it's a long story, I'll tell you later, but we went to Steak and Shake. Um, I've been doing a lot better. I've been trying this keto diet thing, so I've lost a lot of weight. I'm trying to stay away from sweets and things like that. Well, that night I had a Cocoa Krispies shake. <laughs> Came home and had a couple glasses of that sparkling red grape juice. I woke up the next morning. Let's just say everything that goes with a stomach bug came with a stomach bug. And I haven't had my voice for days. <clears throat> so... That's one of the reasons, that, but it's got me reminiscing and thought, you know what? All the times of change we've walked through, I kind of wanted to walk you through some pictures of some change we've had. And, uh, and, and both personally, and I'm going to fly through the personal ones because you don't care about those, but I'm going to make a point as we go through here, okay? So don't totally tune me out. Maybe think about yours. Maybe go home and reminisce with your kids or do something like this. So we're just going to have some fun. 
So, yeah. You, the one thing you're going to notice through these is that Chris gets uglier and Laura just looks gorgeous the whole time, all right? <laughs> so this is at a nice banquet that we went to. That was the night of our first date. Um, long story short, we couldn't date for nine months. We were in a discipleship program. The date was like April 13th. So April 12th at midnight, we go out. Letter of the law, right? That's right after we got married, and uh, we're up in Michigan. So I had to throw shameless plugs of family in here. Sorry about that. Nick and Chrissy, all three Michigan girls, married three Alabama boys, and we moved down here. So then seasons changed, and uh, we, <laughs> we graduated school. We become a parent's youth pastors in Selma, Alabama. We do all the normal youth pastor things. We do all kinds of sales. You guys here do chicken salad like crazy. We did lasagna. This is my mom's lasagna recipe. If you've never had my mom's lasagna, you haven't lived. Well, yeah, you have because you've had the perfect dinner day you could have is Cindy's chicken salad for lunch, my mom's lasagna for dinner, and then you'll be set for life. We didn't, by the way, this is my dad. For those of you who never met my dad, I had to throw a couple of these pictures in. Him and his girls, he had no girls, so the two that married in were just awesome. He loved his girls. Uh, let me see. We've always had fascination with green. Always. For those of you who are my teenagers, we've always, this is getting, getting our old youth room ready. We've also had fascinations with writing on the wall. This is putting a logo on the wall. More writing on the wall. Uh, there was the motorcycle season. That was a fun season. For those of you who weren't, were here our first Sunday, Laura and I drove in on a motorcycle. Um, she was more intimidating than I was. We're like, whoa, who's that chick in a leather jacket and motorcycle helmet? First time I rode my bike, so it's a real sentimental picture to me. Uh, a 2011 Honda Goldwing for those who can't, not Goldwing, Honda Shadow Sabre. A human video face. The green shirts were not my choice there. Those are my dad's shirts, okay? But we, we did human videos. He is, if you know any human videos, you've got to have a human video of he is somewhere in there. We did car washes, sometimes really nice cars. Um, so all, all the normal youth pastor things. So we had good experiences, like campfires with my parents, where we set up tents and didn't sleep in them. Stuff like that. My dad was a nut. We'd go to Mexican restaurants, and he just kind of teased us to play around with us. Who remembers friendship bread? That fad that came around for a while, like the Amish bread and friendship? You may still be doing it. I don't know. But it, like, grew, and then you made more, and it grew again. Then you just shared it. It was called friendship bread because it wouldn't go away. Like, we all, we all have those one friends who just won't go away. That's friendship bread, okay? Uh, we went to USS Alabama with family and stuff like that. And uh, I threw this picture in there intentionally because seasons change and it's snow. Laura and I, in 15 years of marriage, have had, have had 18 vehicles. Yeah, because we don't like car payments. So we've had like three payments, but that's one of our $500 beaters that we had. Um, I, put, I put this next picture in there because it represents two changes. Some people go through college changes and some people go through jobs changes. This was in a season of Papa John's Pizza for me. I've worked at every pizza place imaginable, including Papa John's and Domino's at the same time. They both knew. It was kind of funny. I put this in, picture in here intentionally because this is my old youth group, like when I was a teenager. The guy in the middle and the lady, that was my best friend. He's been my best friend for 23 years. But those people, I remember when they were Sebastian's age. So we all go through seasons of life like this, where we wake up one day and we realize, I have gray hair or I have less hair, or the people I know have less hair and gray hair, right? And wow, they have wrinkles and I didn't know that. This is seasons of life. Some of them are expected and some of them are not expected. 2011, January 15th, my dad passes away. 
10 minutes before he passes away, he's putting parts on his motorcycle, pulmonary embolism, and he's facing Jesus face to face like that. So seasons change additionally. Then I start talking to this guy. And I put this picture on here specifically because this, because this represents a change in his, a season's change in his life. When I knew Mark Davis first, okay, now we're going to come a little more CLF. When I first knew Mark Davis, I did not know Mark Davis. We called him the Alabama mascot. Because at youth camp, he was the assistant district youth director to this guy, Mr. Greg Kelly, who was the district youth director, equivalent to like Steve Mason today. So Pastor Mark would always, we, we didn't know as Pastor Mark, we knew him as, as whatever we knew him as, because he would get up and tell the softball scores. Or he'd get up at, and announce the scores, and he would go nuts. And then he'd come off stage, you could tell us like, wow, he's just crazy. So... This guy contacted me in December of the year that my dad passed away in January, so almost a year, and he said, hey, I want to talk to you about becoming my youth pastor. I said, not now. It's not a good time. I'm going to get through the holidays with my parents. He said, fair enough. We'll talk later in December. A few days after Christmas, he got to, we got together. He said, hey, I want you to think about this. He said, he said uh, <laughs> like Brian says all the time, I'm not going to pay you a dime, but we're going to have lots of fun. That's exactly what happened. Full moon barbecue. He's wearing his Alabama stuff. I said, he can't be a bad guy. So um, six and a half years later, some of our best friends, and I, and I got to be perfectly honest with you, line of sight, maybe. We, we've created a great relationship with these guys. I got to be honest, we wouldn't have come to CLF if it wasn't for these guys. I told Laura at one point, I've got it later in my notes, um, I told Laura at one point, I'm done with ministry. I don't want to do youth ministry anymore. We were youth pastors with my dad. Nobody can measure up to that. It's like, I don't want to do that. After I got done with the interview with him, I said, there's only three people that I can think of on this planet that I would be willing to work with, and he's one of the three. And it's been one of the greatest experiences of our lives. So we also inherited this crazy group of kids. And yes, I got some fun old pictures in here. And I say crazy in the best possible way. By the way, this is drawn in marker about right over here. Anybody was here for the Easter season of the flooding? When Pastor Mark walked in here and there's this much water across the entire sanctuary, we had to rip it all up. This was our first lock-in we had planned was supposed to be in here. Had to do it at the annex. Some of you were here for that too. So lots of fun pictures. And here's the deal. When seasons change, how are you going to handle it? Are you going to be more like Saul? Are you going to be more like David? So let's keep going here. I knew that was going to take a minute, so I'm like trying to fly. Every change of season carries with it two things, opportunities and dangers. You might just kind of have to go along with me here, Darian, and just, I'll, I'll just kind of let you know. Ephesians chapter 5, I want you to read this. Chapter, verses 15 through 17 says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Some changes are major, their births, their deaths, their marriage, divorce, moving across the country. Some changes are minor. They're losing a tooth, they're going on a diet, they're starting a new job. Some of you may say, I'd like a major change of starting a new job, right? Some changes are fast, some are slow. Some changes are under our control and some are not. But the point is this, we must learn to handle the changes of season correctly or we may end up more like Saul and less like David. We don't want to forfeit a great opportunity that's going to be walking into our lives based on change. And again, I have no clue what's going on in your life personally. This is not aimed at you, but whether you take this on or not is your call. 
We're going to go over a few principles of what to do with change. Let's go over some principles, how to handle the change of seasons. Next slide. Number one, the fir these first two, I'm going to kind of fly through a little bit. We need to understand that change is not inherently evil. Like a lot of people think, well, I don't like change. Change is not just automatically bad. It's not just automatically bad. The principle of change is what we call amoral. It's being neither good nor bad. It's just a fact of life. It's going to happen. When change occurs, consequences happen. Some are painful. Some are joyful. Listen, based on how our emotions react and how we respond. Okay? The most difficult thing about change is that it challenges our comfort levels. I don't have that down, but I want you to write it. The most difficult thing about change is that it challenges our comfort levels. Can you imagine how comfortable Saul's palace had to be? Like David was playing the harp in Saul's palace. Even David probably had his daily habits in the field as a shepherd. He was comfortable. But when a change of season comes, and it always will, it forces us to be uncomfortable. Brian said something that he, he says it all the time, and I love when he used to say it when he was talking about like going on a diet and things. You've got to become comfortable being uncomfortable. That's what happens when change comes. Change is not evil. Change is simply uncomfortable. Now, there are some things that happen, like my dad passing away, like a divorce, that are inherently bad. I got that. But we need to understand the, the principle. Change in and of itself is not inherently bad. Number two, next. This is one of the most important. Remember that God is good in all seasons. All seasons, okay? Change is circumstantial. That means it changes based on the circumstance, whether it's good or bad. God's goodness is not. His goodness is absolute, not based on circumstances. Psalm chapter 106, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. It goes back to Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ never changes. His goodness, his faithfulness, that idea does not change. It's a temptation for us, though, to think that God's goodness changes based on what happens to us. This is why I wanted to approach this this way. The presence of sin creates bad consequences. Are we, are we understanding this? The presence of sin means that when people ch make the wrong decisions and things change, there's going to be negative consequences. God has not, please hear me on this, God has not promised to remove every negative consequence that comes from our choices. Okay? He has promised that he will walk through every change and consequence with us. But he will not take away every consequence of a bad choice. There's so many people, uh, I, I'll give you a good choice. Chris had a Cocoa Crispy shake on Thursday. Can we be perfectly honest here? How dumb would it have been, God, you're immoral. I'm sick the next day. Right? That, that's, a, that's a hyperbole example. That's an over-exaggerated example. But how many times have we done that in our lives? A change occurs, we face consequences based on our decision or someone else's, and all of a sudden we blame God for a consequence. God, you're no longer good. We never have a right to say that. God's goodness is not based on our circumstances around us. God's goodness is absolute. When, I, I'll give you an example. When my dad died, you can go to the next slide. When my dad died, and our dad died, it was a very bad change. It hurt deeply and left a large hole. What did God do? And there were two things that I noticed here. First of all, oh, I'm sorry, go back for a second. Um, I guess I don't have that. Okay, L let me just tell you this then. First of all, he walked through the situation with us 
as long as we kept our eyes on him. Go to the next slide, maybe, like after number three. Maybe I got them out of order. No, just going back. I want you to listen to this because this is, this is really important. First of all, he walked through the situation with us, and as long as we kept our eyes on him, he provided peace in the chaos. This is a really important principle. I want you to hear this because I think people completely misunderstand the idea of what peace is. Okay, please hear me on this. And I'm going to read this because I think the Holy Spirit gave this to me. Peace, meaning that we, my family, had a larger perspective, not that every bad emotion went away. Here's another statement I'm going to make. Peace doesn't mean no struggle. Peace is when we look at the peacemaker and he tells us it's not over. Okay? Peace does not mean, oh, all bad emotions are gone. I'm not crying. I'm not sad. Peace is when we look at the peacemaker and he tells us, you're not done. I'm not done with you. I'm not done with your circumstance. Keep going. Keep going. That's when we say we have peace. My family experienced it's funny, I almost want to say ungodly because that's the term that we give to something that's huge. We experienced a godly peace that week that I don't even know how to describe to you. My dad passed away at 7 p.m. on a Saturday night. The three of us, four of us, well, something, three of us were in church the next morning ministering to the church people that had just learned that their pastor passed away. How? No clue. When we went to see his body, we almost couldn't cry. It was really odd because we were so focused on helping the other people. That wasn't us. That was a supernatural peace that came over us for that reason, for that time. We had our morning times. And morning times will always happen. What does the Bible say? Morning happens for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Seasons change. Seasons change. And I'm not saying you shouldn't mourn. What I'm telling you is that you cannot base God's goodness based on the circumstances of the situation. If you want peace this morning and you don't have it, can I, can I challenge you with something? I don't know this about you, but I'm just going to challenge maybe that your circumstance is so close to your eyes that you can't see the peacemaker. That you've got your situation right here. God, I can't see you. I can't see you. And what he's saying is maybe allow me to take it out to give you some perspective and let you know that this is not the end. This is a current struggle you're walking through. Has anybody ever been really sick before in their body? Like just really, really sick? Did you kind of get a little better? In the moment, did you think you were ever going to get? Probably not. <laughs> this is going to go on forever. I'm sitting in the bathroom for like hours on Friday going, God, this is never going to end. Laura walks in. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's going to be done. What is that? That is somebody speaking peace into my life because she's giving me a different perspective. Does that make sense? I don't want us to see God's goodness as circumstances based on that. Second, not only did he walk through the, the rough season, he walked with us into the next season. It's the two things he did. He didn't leave us. He didn't forsake us because of the circumstances. He walked with us in that, just like he did with David, right? Did God leave David in the cave when Saul was hunting him? He was there the whole time. He was saying, David, this is not the end. I got a place I'm taking you. I was reading this book last night, and Dr. Rutland said God's mark was on David. Saul couldn't do anything about God's mark. And here's the challenge to you. 
your circumstances can't do anything about God's mark on you. Okay? Second, he walked through us into the next season. New men and women came into our lives, right? New opportunities showed up. New purposes were introduced to us. Saul judged this change of season incorrectly. He felt like God was just taking something away from him. Seasons always take something away, but they always bring new opportunities into it. You know, a really different perspective is about a year after we were at CLF, you know what I realized? If my dad would have never passed away, none of you would know me and Laura. Stop and think. You wouldn't know Brian and Michelle. You wouldn't know Marlene. Any impact that we've had in your kids' lives, non-existent. I'm not saying that, oh, God caused you. No, 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 no. Romans 8.28 doesn't say God, God makes bad things happen. Romans 8.28 says in everything that happens, God's going to work good out of it. So through that bad circumstance, God brought us here. Where I feel like it's been fruitful for us, it's been fruitful for you guys. So God's going to work good through it, and he's going to bring new opportunities. But what if I had gotten stuck? I'm not even going to speak for Laura here. What if I had gotten stuck mentally in a previous season and not changed? Same thing. Does that make sense? We, we can feel free. We have every right to stay in a previous season. Feel free. But I know that I want to be more like David than Saul. And David changed seasons correctly. Saul got jealous of David and did not change seasons correctly. Third point is the main point I want to stress. Methods change with season. Re real quick, there's a statement I wrote in this morning when it comes to um, if my dad hadn't passed away, we would have never ended up at CLF. Looking back, it's obvious. In the moment, it's confusing. Have you experienced that in your life? When you look back at something, well, of course we ended up at CLF. We were supposed to. Look at everything that's come from it. You think I thought that on January 16th, the day after my dad passed away? Does that make sense? If you're in the middle of something confusing right now, know that if you follow God's path that he's got laid out for you, you're going to look back in a couple years and go, that was obvious. Or we could be like Saul. No, God, I got this. I don't want anything to change. I'm perfectly satisfied the way things are. Or when things change, well, God, I know the change that's supposed to happen. We'll go there in a minute. And I, I've already shared the thing about Savannah. When seasons change, our methods must change. If we act, is that what I've got? Yes, that statement. If we act and respond toward this season in the same way we did to the last season, there will be major consequences. We cannot stay, and, and you may say, where on earth are you going? I'm just going to dive into it. Here are the main two consequences that I know that would have happened if we would not have changed with the season. First of all, we will miss the gifts and opportunities provided in the new season. What if David had stayed in the field? What if David took the cheese to his brothers, heard Goliath's call, and said, I'm just supposed to bring the cheese? What if? Looking back, it's obvious. Did he? No, he challenged the giant. You think it was that con he was that confident in the middle of it? We put these guys on these pedestals, man, and we think, well, they, of course David can do it. David was you. David was Sean. David was Micah, like David was us. The only difference is that when God said, 
change, he said, yes, sir. Let's go with it. And I read this in this book again last night. It was fantastic. He said, you realize that when Samuel anointed David, did David go straight to the palace as new king? He went back to the sheep. I think that God's given you a promise before and you think he's a liar because he hasn't fulfilled it yet. You know what was between David's anointing and the palace? Goliath. Before you fulfill the calling on your life, you're going to have to walk through some Goliaths first. But if you choose to stay in the comfort level that was a previous season, you can feel free, but you will not reach what God has for you. The opportunities that come about to you, like David had to put in front of him, you will not be able to reach. What would have happened if he would have used Saul's armor? That's the perfect explanation of old season. Saul had his armor. David, here's how you need to do church. Here's how you need to minister. Here's how you need to do this. You know what's funny is I was talking to Laura this week and I said, you know, sometimes people question the things I talk about when I preach or they'll say, well, you're not this or you're not a stereotypical preacher. I'm like, you know what my responsibility is, to be honest, is to bring forth the word that God gives me in the best way that I can. And I'm, and I'm sorry if that doesn't always come across preachy as much or maybe churchy. I guess there's a certain point to where when God gives you something, when God provides you some cheese to take to the battlefield, take the cheese. Do what he's called you to do and quit complaining about the comfort level of what you're leaving. That's not even in my notes. I just, I feel, I feel like sometimes we are so, the American drug of choice is comfort, guys. The American drug of choice is comfort. Well, it's cigarettes. Well, it's this. No, it's comfort. Why do we do cigarettes and drugs and everything else? It's to get comfortable. It's because we want to chill. It's like, let my problems go away. Or, or all the problems we have internally, we want them to stop, right? Like, is, is, is that true? Like, the reason we do things is for, is for comfort or for peace or just, I, I want to be happy. I want to be better. The only reason we came to CLF is because who these guys were. I didn't know any of you. Didn't know any of you would be in our lives. So here's my question. Are you going to live a life that is so principle-based? And he doesn't like people talking about him. I'm going to anyways because I don't like Are you going to live a life principle-based enough that people can look at you and go, yeah, I'm going to believe you based on who you are? You realize we all look to somebody else to be our example when sometimes God call, God's calling us to be the example. Cindy's asked us to speak to some of the MSP leadership, and you know what I tell them? It's like there's a certain point to where you're going to have to step up and take leadership. And I'm not talking take it from Cindy. I'm talking about you become the leader instead of constantly looking to somebody else to do it and take responsibility. I don't know where that's coming from. The only way to seize the opportunities of the new season is to learn from the last season and move into the new one, ready to embrace the change. You got to walk out of the comfort level. I have no clue where you're at today. I have no clue where you're comfortable. I have no clue what God's calling you into. But what I'm telling you is if you don't take the chance, give me one person who's ever succeeded in the Bible, in business, in ministry, who has ever stayed in their comfort zone. You show me in the Bible where we're called to be comfortable. Purpose lies at the edge of your comfort zone. 
you've got to get out of that idea of, I don't know what I'm walking into. It's a risk. Take a risk. Now, get some mentoring <laughs> and make sure if, if your own decisions have led you to a great place, fantastic. Keep following your own advice. If you haven't, get some mentoring first, but then take a risk. Try something. I'm proud of some of you guys that have taken risks to do something. Now, I've got to be perfectly honest. Sometimes people make risks because of wrong motives. I can never judge that. It's not my job to judge motives. There's some of you that are gonna, that have come back and you kind of go, can I come back? Yeah, we're not going anywhere, right? We're gonna be here. But what I'm telling you is some of you have made bad choices, but I would challenge that some of you are just not taking a step. Maybe it's due to apathy. You just don't care enough. Maybe because nothing stirs your soul. My biggest fear about these guys' generation, I'm sorry for straying on this, my biggest fear about these guys' generation is a lack of passion about anything. Some of them do, and I'm not saying all of them, but in general, we're raising a generation that's passionless. We're raising a generation where when you, when you ask them, hey, what matters to you? I don't know. I'm like, you know who's got to model that? We got to take a chance. We got to step out and try something. Well, Chris, I don't know what's going to happen. Are you following a God who's going to bring something good out of it? Either way, take a chance. Number two, what could happen if we don't change with the seasons? We run the risk. Please hear this. And this is where this whole thing started. If you take anything away, hear this. We run the risk of ru ruining relationships that need to change. And again, please don't. I have so many stories about this in my life. And we're youth pastors. So I promise you, everything your, your kids don't tell you, they tell us. In general. Not all of it, but some of it. And, and again, I'm not saying this for any reason. I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking right now about our last church in Selma, about some of the kids and some of the parents. Listen to me here. Saul and David could have had a fantastic relationship, but Saul refused to recognize that the season had changed. But Jonathan, Saul's son, did recognize it. And what came out of that? The greatest friendship that the Bible records. In fact, Mark Rutland had to spend a half a chapter explaining why it's not a homosexual relationship because it was so close that our culture today think, would think of how close they were as a romantic relationship. Like we're talking about Saul saying, you're in my heart, you'll always be in my heart. Or Jonathan saying that to David. Like I love you with an unending love. That kind of friendship is only understood when Jonathan recognized God's hand is no longer on Saul. God's hand is on David. I'm linking arms with him and running. Some of you have said, I recognize the call of God on CLF, and I'm going to join hands with you. Come on. Because what I'll promise you is we're in with this guy, and this guy's in with where God's taken him. Are you recognizing the change? Here's a story. And this is one of those uncomfortable stories, but I still feel like I need to tell you. I was dating a girl that was completely wrong for me when I was 18 years old. Um, and me and my dad fought about her all the time because he was right. 
anybody else, the older you get, the wiser you, your parents seem? Like, they're just smarter. My gosh, they were smart. I, I, I just talked to a kid in college this week, and great, great kid, but he knows everything. And I'm like, and no, it's not Tyler. Um, but <laughs> but it, it's like you talk to some people, and they just know everything. That, and I see that. I, that was me. I knew it all, man. I knew this girl was the one I was going to get married and all this kind of stuff. Me and my dad fought all the time. And we were this close, me and my dad, to having a fight that would have fractured our friendship for the rest of our lives. This close. I remember the conversation. I was screaming at my dad when he was in the shower in the bathroom. I was standing outside the bathroom screaming at him. He's screaming back at me. I remember him getting out of the shower and he stopped screaming. And he wouldn't answer me. I'm like, are you all right? At that point, I probably didn't even care, to be honest. We were angry. Like, when you're angry, you kind of lose all of that is. And he came out and got dressed first. He said, you marry her, I'll accept her. From that day forward, me and my dad were best friends until he passed away. He had to be the mature one to step up and take responsibility for our relationship because he recognized if I don't change with the season, I will ruin this important relationship in my life. Let me speak to parents for just a moment and all parents. There will be a moment, and I'm not, please, I'm not speaking as a parent. You know I'm not a parent. As a youth pastor only, there will be a time where if you don't let your child grow, you will ruin the relationship that you have or you want with them. It's natural. It's the way, it's what my parents did. It's what my, it's, there, and a lot of you have done a wonderful job with that. But you have to understand this is the way it's supposed to be. Your responsibility is to grow them in the ways of the Lord and give them guidance until they begin their own life. And I'm not, I'm not to tell you when that is, but there has to be a time where your relationship shifts, where seasons change. Here, here's why I tell all of that. Savannah Bear, up here. My favorite Savannah Bear story in the world. When we were coming back from our first Nicaragua trip, some of you have heard this a hundred times. Coming back from our first Nicaragua trip, the missionaries prepped us before we came home and said, everybody's gonna ask you, how was it? They don't really care. That some of them do, your close family, they care. But most people really aren't going to listen to 30 minutes of you talking about your experiences. Said so you need to be prepared to give a 15-second shock and awe, something that really hits them hard. So be thinking about that ahead of time. And, of course, you know Savannah, deep thinker that she is. We get in the church van. Everybody's asleep because we're coming back, and everybody's drained. I got pictures of Seth Mills with drool hanging out of his mouth. And, Pat, and Savannah's in the very back seat. I remember where I was. I remember the moment. I don't remember the mile marker, but it's close. And Pastor Mark said, so Savannah, what did you take away? Her first missions trip. And she said, I realized that my life had options for the first time. The next year we take her and get her a one-way ticket, and she stays for the whole summer. Then she stays on a two-year, two-year, two-year internship. If Laura and I had never stepped out and taken the opportunity to take her, she probably would have even never met the guy that she's getting married to. <laughs> it's my fault. 
Now you know. Now you know who to blame. But, but follow me here. What opportunities are you passing by that's going to affect other people's lives? Take this off yourself for a minute. Well, Chris, I'm scared. I, I Take this the way I mean it. I don't care about you. Maybe a long time ago, you remember I spoke to MSP and I told them, I'm not even talking to you. I'm talking to your kids. So take this the way I mean it for a second. Yes, I care if you change, but why don't you care about generations to come that are going to be affected from your choices or lack of choices? Who, who did David end up in the genealogy of Jesus, right? David ended up in the genealogy of Jesus because he changed. Here's a really sobering thought. Who would Saul have been? if he simply would have taken down his pride, like Pastor Mark talked about last week, and changed with the seasons when God, we don't control them anyways, do we? We don't control the changes of seasons. Let's change. And here's what I thought. If I were to treat the 22, 23-year-old, Savannah, if I, if I were to treat, if I were to treat the 22-year-old young woman up here like she was 15, I would ruin the relationship. Right? If I were to treat Tyler Mills like he was a 16-year-old guy playing football, I would ruin the relationship. It's my responsibility to watch the seasons change, and when they do, change with them. Maybe they don't need a youth pastor anymore. Maybe they need a friend. Maybe they don't need a friend. Maybe they need a mentor. Maybe, listen, Maybe they don't need a mentor. Maybe they need to move on. Okay? There's going to be a certain point where when seasons change, you've got to change with them. It's got to happen. Because if we don't, we're going to end up being more like Saul than Paul. One final note, then you can change to this one before we get done. And here's a really, really important note. Don't rush change. Vitally important, guys, especially for this church, especially for this time. Sometimes we want to run ahead of God and force the situation to change just because we're uncomfortable. Discomfort is not a reason to change. Actually, you know what's funny? You know what is the reason to change? Too much comfort. If you're too comfortable, that might mean something in your life needs to change. But if you're uncomfortable, you know what that really means? He's not finished with you yet. He's still doing something inside. Sydney, how many MSP ladies have run because they're uncomfortable? Way too many. Do me a favor. If you're going to run, run when you're comfortable, not when you're uncomfortable. Okay? If you come up to Cindy and say, listen, I feel like I've learned what I'm supposed to learn. I feel like I'm at peace because I'm looking at the peacemaker. He's telling me to move on. Ask her for her, for her perspective. Ask Pastor Mark for his perspective and go, what do you think? Why do we not usually want to do that? <laughs> yeah? Well, because I've already made up my mind. And if I've made up my mind and you disagree with me, guess who's wrong? Okay. Go outside my notes for a second. If your mentor thinks the same as you are, they're a terrible mentor. Your mentor or your coach or your sponsor is supposed to be 
a level of thinking above you so they can give you a different perspective than you're seeing. Why was the shepherd on two legs and the sheep were on four? So the shepherd could see further than the sheep could see. What happens when the sheep runs off on their own off a cliff? It's because the shepherd would have said, there's a cliff there that you can't see because of your perspective, because you're too close to the situation. Not in my notes. Is it true? I don't know. Please don't rush change. Laura gave me a great example of this, and I'm going to kind of end with this. When a caterpillar is turning into a butterfly, gets inside the cocoon, and everything's kind of protected, what happens if somebody from the outside comes in and tries to break open that cocoon when it's in the process of changing? Don't rush change from the outside or the inside. What happens if the caterpillar tries to force its way out? It dies. It's in the process of change, whether it's internal eruption or external eruption. If you're in the process of change and change is forced before it's complete, something's going to die. I want you to milk every last lesson out of David and Saul, and I want you to milk every last lesson out of this season. You're walking through a season. I'm going to finish this up. And we're going to, Mikey, you can come on up. And here's the deal, guys. I want you to listen to this statement. Once you recognize the change that is occurring, your goal is to make the best choices with the limited knowledge that you have. 